This is CyberSound, your simplified and fundamentals-focused source for all things cybersecurity, with your hosts, Jason Pufall and Stephen Mareska. Welcome to CyberSound. I'm your host, Jason Pufall, joined by Steve Mareska as usual. Hi, Steve. Hi. How are you doing today? Good. So, here's a topic that we've been debating for a little while. Uh, security products, silver bullets versus snake oil. Uh, and, and so I want to start, though, and I, and I want to be clear about this right from the get-go, right? This is not a discussion around security products sort of, sort of being seen bad, right, or, 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 or in some way uh, a, a negative discussion about security products. But uh, I, I honestly do feel strongly that uh, the security industry in general, uh, I think, doesn't really do itself a favor in its marketing approaches and uh, just generalized sort of you know, branding around their products, right? I think too often we see security products positioned as uh, really that silver bullet, right? The, the, the solution that's going to address all of your security needs. And I think in, in a way it gives customers a overconfidence or a sense of overconfidence in what their security posture is uh, without doing some of those more basic things that we often talk about. So I, I, I do want to spend some time on that today. Like, you know, is the security industry um, sort of marketing itself properly? Uh, are we selling products that actually solve problems? Are they too niche for their own good? Uh, spending some time around that in, in, in our line of thinking. I know we're, we're reasonably well aligned there, uh, but I suspect we probably have some, you know, some differences in this regard. Right. So a false sense of protection is the worst possible thing that you can have as a customer. Uh, when you deploy a new security product, it means that you think you're ready for an attack when you're not really. So let's talk about a couple of common ones, right? So the firewalls, probably the most recognizable, at least, security product that exists out there. Right? We've, been, we've been deploying them for 30 years, 25 years, you know, a long time, uh, and they've evolved significantly um, Antivirus being another one. I mean, everyone's familiar right. with that for the greater period of the same time frame. Um, do they do what they're intended to do? Hopefully. I think that, you know, most people deploy them because they think that they should, not because they know what they do. And, and with antivirus, you should. Right. right. I mean, right. you know, they're, they're not a perfect solution, uh, but you should have them. Right. Certainly. And it's efficacy. How good are they? What involvement do they need from you in order to work properly? The and it's interesting with antivirus in particular because that's evolved a lot over the last you know, half dozen years or so, and uh, some might say degraded over time too. In in what way? Well, you know, the, the common line of thought is that antivirus platforms these days are, though believed to be, you know, one hundred percent guardians of your systems. They're like thirty to fifty percent effective, depending upon which vendor we're talking about. Threats evolve. Threats are unique to each target from an attacker standpoint right. antivirus works best when it knows what an attack is right it only yeah. works in the realm of known threats when it's new it, it'll miss it yeah so some of your i think some of the the old school viruses that would happen right they are very predictable uh so antivirus the, the, the basic definition base worked better right um we do see a lot more activity now or maturation in the space to try and identify behavior rather than just purely definition based. So I think, you know, I think, I think they've made some improvements significantly. Of course, you know, the, I say the more sophisticated the 
call it the basic antivirus platform, probably the more expensive too. Right. And getting back to firewalls, because you introduced that up front, uh, you know, at the end of the day, your business has to make holes into your network in order to function. And sometimes those can be broad enough to let anybody in. It's a question of how they're deployed and whether they are fit for purpose, not necessarily whether they're, you know, going to keep someone out. If you need a service to be exposed, you know, that means it's exposed to an attacker too, potentially. The biggest challenge that I have with the firewall, <clears throat> I guess there's probably a couple of them, but, but, but one of the things that I think is one of the, the hardest is do you have a competent firewall administrator to actually deploy, manage, and oversee that, right? Because they're really sold and billed as sort of that, that main protective gate, right? That has been the line of thinking around firewall for a long time. And, you know, there's some things that make them probably not as effective as they were 10 years ago, right? There's been a huge shift now to encrypt more traffic, certainly web traffic. Uh, a lot of the firewalls are designed to look for web-based threats. And frankly, unless you're going to deploy some fairly sophisticated techniques to evaluate that traffic, your firewall can't see or inspect encrypted traffic, right? right. So it limits their capability. And I think a lot of people don't really fully understand that. And I think treat these as that, you know, that silver bullet. It, to, to your point, you, know, you deploy a firewall because you don't have one. You think it's protecting you. It's right there in the name. It's a wall, right. antivirus, anti. You know, it's, it's it's the connotation, and if they are simply not capable of inspecting things, uh, you know, that means that you need to have additional effort, additional expense. It's not something that you anticipate at the beginning, and that's missed on a lot of entities, unfortunately. And it, and, and it's hard, right? So I want to be careful and, and really be fair to the firewall companies managing a firewall policy set or a firewall rule set uh, for you know, anything bigger than like a 10-person company is, is complex. Right, and got, it's not the failing of the vendor. It's expected right. that the purchaser do that work. And, you know, we see it all the time, right? You deploy a new service. It doesn't work. You assume, maybe correctly, that it's the firewall. You implement a policy that says, you know, permit this traffic anywhere, and then you never, never go back and fix it. So, Firewalls have a tendency, I'd say, of a firewall policy or rule basis have a tendency of probably getting more permissive over time right. than originally intended. And, you know, it takes real discipline to go back and, and review those rules and make sure that they are actually providing the protection that you think or desire. So n neither of these are snake oil. These are things we would recommend on a regular basis. These are proven technologies right. when employed appropriately. But when they fail... And what are the, what's the common story? You know, the, the threads that I perceive are that, um, you know, a customer is upset because an attacker was able to get in. Well, how? I have this protective device in place. Um, the data that I consider most important leaked. How is that possible? Right. Um, and circumstances often influence the, the deployment of a device like that, right? So if you think about the last year, maybe, maybe, maybe 18 months now, but there is the big migration from on-prem office-based workforce to, you know, remote, either fully remote, partly remote, whatever the case might be, you had your IT staff forced to trying to figure out how to accommodate that remote workforce. And a lot of time that meant opening firewall policies or, or you know, reducing the, the restrictiveness of firewall policy to permit external people from getting in. 
we've seen a lot of cases where we've chatted with clients where they've been overly permissive to make sure that they were able to get the totality of their workforce exposing themselves. I'd, I'd go even further. We've seen several incidents that we have dealt with explicitly that are caused by some of these more permissive changes. And they're not necessarily going away. There's now an expectation of remote work to some degree. I don't see that as a negative. It, it's flexibility in the workplace. That's always a good thing. But we have to adapt to it. And everyone that had to make those changes need to reevaluate, especially now as we're considering uh, you know, a shift to back to the office in somewhere in some places. So reevaluation is necessary. Everything that's deployed from an antivirus firewall and every other solution that we might consider, uh, you know, these things need to grow with an organization and be revisited regularly. So you made a, you made a comment that I liked. Uh, and I can't remember if you did hear or if when we were chatting about this a little bit before, but uh, around the idea that if you don't understand or fully understand the technology that a, that a vendor might be trying to sell you, you you're probably not ready for it. Uh, you know, it, it, it's kind of a strong statement and maybe, maybe, maybe a little bit of hyperbole there, but I don't think it's totally off base, right? I think if you're having a conversation with a vendor and they're using terms or they're trying, or they're talking to you about talking to you about things that is going to protect for you and you don't really understand what those things are, you might want to look at some more, basic solutions in some case. And, and yeah, we're talking a little bit about, in this case, some, some hardware vendors. I'd say the same thing about solution providers, right? We, how many conversations have we been in where we've spoken with a client about the difference between a vulnerability assessment and a penetration test? And you know, depending on the, on the vendor that they've spoken with, they're treated as one and the same, or you know, we've seen pen tests that are really nothing more than just a vulnerability scan. Like there is no baseline for how vendors talk about their products or in some cases how clients actually understand. Right. At the end of the day, if, if, if when evaluating a new tool, even outside of security, it doesn't map easily to what you already do in your business, there's probably not a path directly to it. And that likely means you're not ready to do, uh, do any sort of deployment. Um, so I think we both agree you know, generally that, you know, firewalls, antivirus, you know, both of those are sort of staples for most security programs, right? And, we, and, and certainly we, you know, we regularly revisit the idea of security fundamentals. And, and I don't think that we'll probably go a podcast without talking about, you know, just basic patching and some of the things that you really need to do as that, as that underpinning, right? Uh, what I want to be careful here is that we don't convey any kind of sense that the, the, products that are out there don't have value, right? What I want to drive home, I think, is that oftentimes, say, the, the marketing or the way that the products are explained um, really promote an, an, an overdeveloped sense of sort of capabilities and therefore security. And we've had a lot of conversations with customers who say, well, I've implemented mail protection or I've implemented a firewall and we're fine. You've spent a lot of money on a product, no doubt, but that doesn't mean that you've addressed sort of your, your, your underlying security issues, right? I, I want to think of it in terms of uh, security sustainment versus security fixing, fixes in general. Uh, solutions that are deployed are often reactively done, done so. It, it's, solutions are deployed in order to fix a problem that has either been experienced or that is perceived, it's in the news, something to that effect. And that's great. Maybe they are fit for purpose, but 
security over time erodes. It's an inevitability. It's just like anything else. Assets depreciate, buildings crumble, security has the same sort of path as time goes on. And everything that is really deployed to protect an organization or an individual for that matter really needs to be forward-looking, capable, maybe not fully deployed. There are abilities for it to improve over time. But bottom line is that it it supports security over a long term by giving good data, by having uh, external input, by having the ability for uh, regular maintenance to be applied. And it's not something static. We don't live in a static world. And many of the products that exist are marketed in such a way or built in such a way that they don't really respond to dynamic change. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's totally fair. And I think one of the challenges that a lot of businesses or business owners have is that you know they probably haven't done some of the say you know evaluation or assessment work that they would need to do right so the, the, the com- I think the common flow is IT small business as a an IT person or maybe a handful of IT people right they're largely not security focused uh, they're probably pretty focused on day-to-day in the sense that it's break fix for end user making sure that their their workforce is working uh, or you know some service deployment for you know for sort of their server farm right um, and then they take calls from people in the security industry saying, you know, you need this. Uh, you know, our data shows that you know, you're at risk to the following types of things, so you should spend money on this type of product. And that all may be true, but if you're not spending it in accordance with what your actual risk is, if you haven't done a risk assessment or a vulnerability assessment or something that actually gives you a baseline of where you are today and a progression of where you should take your security program, you're apt to buy something that maybe does address a really niche issue, uh, but probably isn't your most important thing. You're you're saying a variant of what I did a moment ago. Technology changes, and at the end of the day, it's in response to business needs. If you cannot deploy something that is responsive to change over time, it's not what you need. And I think ultimately that... Businesses, especially when they don't have dedicated personnel for IT, tend to be uh, controlling their spend relative to business needs without necessarily having the data to make clean decisions. And the data is what really helps to control that spend. I think that risk assessments, security assessments, whatever they happen to be called by a services provider, that they can be perceived as, hey, yeah, we did that two years ago, we're good. But in our realm, in our in our world, that's stale data, and you can't make decisions based on something of, of that age. So I'll touch on two things. So one, I love to regurgitate things that you say. So uh, so I have no I have no shame in that whatsoever. Uh, but but uh, but you know, more seriously, you, you don't have to do a grandiose assessment either, right? So we we've done some basic just question and answer formats with customers and unearth things like we don't do backups. And by the way, we never patch. So depending on how sophisticated your security program is, maybe you need to do a really complicated or really in-depth security assessment, or maybe you can truly go through and look critically at some really basic things and say, we're just not ready to spend a ton of money on really sophisticated products because some of the basic blocking and tackling we don't do. And 
I always want to stress with people, you know, don't overcomplicate it if you don't have to. But to your point, do get a baseline understanding, right? Some some data to back up your 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 potential spend in the future. I, I think I want to get I want to close today by talking about the fact that you know our, our subject snake oil. Solutions are possible when they map to things that you know you need to resolve. And assessments are cyclical. They're meant to be. Security is cyclical. Point-in-time solutions are only going to be point-in-time fixes, and they're only going to defend around the time that they're deployed. So just like anything else that requires sustainment over time and maintenance over time, uh, so does security. And if if something purports to solve a problem that is so esoteric that it's not really even directly tied to the business, it's, it's probably beyond what's necessary. I think it's, I think it's a fair point. And uh, I know we're up against time, and anytime I hear the word you know, purport and esoteric toward the tail end of thing, I think, all right, we've, this is, that's the pinnacle of this podcast <laughs> for sure. Uh, as always, uh, if anybody wants to hear more or, or talk more about this concept of, you know, silver bullets versus snake oil in the security industry, uh, places where the security industry is, is doing well, maybe places where you know, potentially it's, you feel like it's failed in the past. Uh, I think it's an interesting topic uh, and happy to explore it a little bit more. Reach, you out, reach out to us uh, on Twitter at Vancourt Security. Uh, we'll cover it more with more detail. Uh, and until next time, uh, we appreciate everybody listening and hope you got some value out of this. Thank you. Stay vigilant. Stay resilient. This has been Cybersound.